Well, this weekend, uh, we're going to wrap up a little series that we've done on the church. And as Steve reminded us last week, the church isn't a building. It isn't uh, a service that you attend. It's you. It's us, right? We are the church. But the truth is, if the church is going to be more than a place that you go to, or if it's going to be more than an event that you attend, then you must be part of a smaller unit of people, a close spiritual family. Because you see, the church, as the New Testament describes it, is more about relationships than it is about meetings. It's more about uh, people than it is about buildings. It's more about circles than it is rows. But if truth be told, for a lot of you, this right here is all you really know about church. But the book of Acts tells us that the New Testament church met as a large group like this for worship and teaching, but they also met in smaller units, ongoing, in their homes. Acts chapter 2, verse 42, I'm sorry, verse 46 to 47 says this, Every day they continued to meet in the temple courts, large group gathering, and they broke bread in their homes. And they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. You see, church wasn't just the large corporate gathering. They were eating together. They were enjoying each other. They were part of each other each other's daily lives in these smaller groups. They shared life together there. They didn't just simply sit shoulder to shoulder in rows while they were taught and led in worship. Because, see, healthy small groups, that's how this happens, translates around here, healthy small groups are really like family. That's what I want to talk about this morning. And, you know, I was thinking... You know, we, God designed us to, to grow up and mature in physical families, right? I mean, most of us grew up and matured in, well, I can't guarantee that, but, you know, we grew up anyway in, in physical families, right? And by the same token, God designed us to grow up and to mature spiritually in spiritual families also. Because, you see, a physical family is more than just a man and a woman and 2.3 children who live under the same roof or whatever deviation of that, you know, shapes up your physical family. But in the same sense, a, a spiritual family, a small group, is more than just a bunch of self-focused individuals who get together once a week to study the Bible. You see, what, what makes it family is relationships. That's what makes it family, and that's what makes a small group family. And so this morning, I want to challenge you kind of to think about small groups and to think about family and how they're very similar. And my hopes is that what I'm going to do is if you're here and you're not a part of a New Life small group, 
I'm going to challenge you to consider changing that. And if you are, and I know the majority of you are part of a small group, I still want to challenge you, stay, don't tune me out, because I, I want to challenge you as you kind of think this through to increase maybe your vision of what your small group can and ought to be. You know, a small group is more than just that thing that you go to once a week or that, that you go to while your kids are at Awana. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's more than uh, that, that thing you go to if everything else in your schedule just works out okay. It, it, it's more than just a Bible study or just a prayer meeting or just a weekly get-together. That a small group, when it's really functioning well, is, is family. And so I want to talk about some ways that a healthy small group is like a healthy family. And so if you, uh, if you haven't done so already, reach inside your worship folder and pull out the, the, the message notes here. You can follow along. I've got some places where you can fill in some blanks if you care to do so. But let's talk about healthy families and healthy small groups. Now, some of us in here, you know, we, we, uh, we understand both or we've never been a part of either. I don't know. But we're going to kind of talk about this aspect of how a healthy small group, I've got a bunch of different ways, are, is just like a healthy family. So here we go. Number one, that just like family, a healthy small group, you're known for who and how you really are. That's important because, you see, when we come to weekend celebrations like this, where we sit in rows and we all look forward, you know, it's just too easy to kind of put on the right us, you know, maybe to dress up and act the right way and kind of present this image of ourselves. It's just too easy. But in a small group where you sit in circles and you look each other in the eye, the goal is to really know each other, the good and the bad, and even the ugly, right? I mean, that's how it is in your family, right? You're known for how you really are. You're known for you, not, not, not simply the you that you want to present to the people around you, but who, how you really, I mean, that's the problem with Facebook, isn't it, really, right? I mean, nobody makes their profile picture that picture where you really look 20 pounds heavier than you really are, right? I mean, you make the one where you're looking good, right? And you present the you that you kind of want, you know, to your friends, you know, the, the you that you want people to know or, or think about you. Not the real you, but in your family, <laughs> they know the real you. And a small group is a place where you're, where you know each other, the good and the bad, the together and the untogether, you know, the successes and the screw-ups, just like family. Here's another one, just like family, a, a healthy small group is a place where everybody has responsibilities to each other. I mean, in your family, it's not just about you, is it? You have chores around the house. You, you have to clean up after yourself for the sake of others. I mean, you put the, the dishes in the dishwasher because if you don't, somebody else is going to have to, right? You, you do things to serve each other. If I want to do something 
but it's going to adversely affect Janet, I don't do it. Because we care about each other. We do things for each other. We have expectations on each other. When we think one of us in our family is being selfish or thoughtless or not pulling their share of the weight around the house, we tell each other, right? We're honest that way because we see ourselves as responsible for each other. When our kids were little, you know, every now and again I'd have to have a little come-to-Jesus meeting with them. You know, listen, you know, your mom, she's not your personal maid, she's not your cook, and the one who cleans, you know, we, we, that, that's what you do. These days even, sometimes when I'm not pulling my share of weight around the house, Janet has a little come-to-Jesus meeting with me. <laughs> but is it like that in your small group? I mean... Those of you who are part of a small group, do you see yourselves as responsible to those people around the circle? Or are you just kind of there because of what you're going to get out of it? See the difference? See? In healthy families, we feel responsibilities to each other. It's that way in a healthy small group, too. Here's the third way. Just like a family, a, a, a healthy small group, you'll have conflict. But you have to work it out. I mean, disagreements and arguments happen in families. Am I right? And when they do, you're not stunned that they occurred. But when they do, you work it out. You work through it. You don't go out and get a new family. But I can't tell you how often I've seen conflict happen between people in a small group, and they're stunned. I can't believe this is happening. I mean, I thought we were Christians, and I can, you know, all of this stuff. And their solution is, they go out and find a different group, or they go out and find a different church, right? But in healthy families, and in healthy small groups, we work through the conflict. And you learn how to talk it through. And you learn to come to a place where you can all move forward. That doesn't mean you come to a place where you agree with each other. <laughs> That'll never happen sometimes. But you come to the place where you can move forward with each other. That's what you do in families. It's what you do in healthy groups. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, he said, starting in verse 23, he says, Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar... And there remember that your brother or sister has something against you. Then leave your gift there in front of the altar and first go and be reconciled to them and then come and offer your gift. You know, the first thing I notice in those couple of verses is Jesus just presumes that you are going to have conflict with other Christians. It's going to happen. And he says, when it does, if you're right in the middle of a worship celebration, and, it, and the Holy Spirit just brings to your mind this, this thing, this problem that you've got with another brother and sister. He says, even more important than finishing your worship, go and make it right. Work it through. Come to a place that you can move forward. Conflict is going to happen. But in healthy families and in healthy small groups, we learn how to work it through, how to come to that place where we can move forward. Number four. Just like family, 
in a healthy small group, you're loved and sometimes you're just put up with. I mean, I have always loved my children. But there were times, right, that I didn't necessarily like them very much. <laughs> and as you get closer to each other in a small group, and as your guards come down, you won't always like each other. Or you won't like some choice that the other person is making, or some behavior that they're displaying but you never stop loving each other. Paul said in Romans chapter 12, verse 10, be devoted to one another in love and honor one another above yourselves. You love each other. And can I tell you just by the way, love isn't this warm, gooey feeling. Love is the commitment that you make to the other person. I mean, love is cleaning up puke in the middle of the night. That's what love is. Love is taking care of your spouse when they're sick. That's what love is. Love is dropping whatever you have planned to go listen and care for somebody else that you're in community with. It's, it's altering your plans to meet the needs of somebody else that needs you right now. It's sometimes saying the hard things to each other because that's what's really best for them. That's what love is. You love each other. Whether you like each other at times or not, that's, that's irrelevant. In healthy families and healthy groups, you love each other. Even if that means putting up with each other at times. That's the way it is in healthy families and groups. Number five is this. Just like family and a healthy small group is a place where you're held up when you need to be held together. You see, a, a healthy family is where you know that you'll always be accepted and supported. It's where people are on your side even when it feels like the whole world is against you. And that's important because we live in a world that beats us up, right? And families, that corner that you can go to when the bell rings at the end of the round. And a good small group is like that too. It, it, it's that place where at times they will pump you back up full of oxygen when the world deflates you. Now, now, I'm not saying it's a place where everybody's just always warm and gooey and sweet to you, even when you're in the midst of making stupid choices. I mean, sometimes that way. It's like the people in my group, they're just not, you know, whatever. And the problem is, they're just telling you the truth. That's what you do in families. That's, that's what you do. You encourage each other. Positively and sometimes toughly. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11, Paul says, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as, in fact, you are doing. That's what it's like in healthy families and healthy groups. Number six, just like family, a healthy small group is a place where people are honest with you. 
And here's what I mean by that. If you're acting like a jerk, someone's going to tell you. Right? Isn't that how it is in the family? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15 says this. Instead, of, instead speaking the truth in love. And we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. See, see, sometimes I think as Christians, a lot of us think we're always supposed to just be nice to each other. But, but that's not love. Hey, I know you're walking out in front of that train. God bless you. you know? <laughs> that's not love. It's not how it is in family. Honesty is a high value in healthy families. And it's a high value in healthy small groups too. Now certainly, when you say the hard things, you do it in love, and it's always couched with a lot of grace. But if I see you going in a poor direction in your life, love leads me to tell you that. Sometimes it's having hard words for hard hearts. That's the way it is in family. That's the way it is in good small groups. Here's number seven. Just like family in a healthy small groups, we do for each other. I, I think I've mostly covered this, but Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 says this, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But don't use your freedom to indulge the flesh, but rather serve one another humbly in love. You know, Janet regularly does things for no other reason than simply to serve me. When our grandson was born a few weeks ago, we went to Oklahoma. We, you know, we did everything. We cooked and we cleaned and we mowed and we fixed meals and we did all of this stuff to serve Joanna and dear. Why? That, that's what families do. And so in a small group, in your small group, are you serving each other? And without being asked, are you serving each other? Here, let, let me just, here's something I'm learning, trying to learn. Man, when somebody needs help in an area, maybe they're going through some stuff, like we talked about earlier, don't do this. And, and I, I've done this more times than I want to admit. But don't go to them and say, listen, if there's anything I can do for you, let me know. Now, I get why we do that. We do it because we really do want to help them, but we just don't know how, so we make that offer. But here, let's, let's just be honest. I could be going through some stuff, and, and my yard, you know, the grass is up to my armpits. Somebody needs to come over and mow it. But let me tell you how many times I'm going to call someone and say, hey, would you come do this for me? <laughs> Even the people who've offered to say, hey, anything you want to let me, let me. I'm just zero. I'm just never going to do that. See? So, you know, we've, we've got to learn to, to instead say, hey, and, and again, it's hard. It's just so much harder to, to try to figure out ways and say, hey, I, can I come do this for you? And you, you need to give them a choice. Don't just show up and start doing it. You need to give them the choice. And, and sometimes say, hey, may, how about we bring you a meal? And you give them the choice. Uh, would Wednesday or Thursday work? You know, that, that gives them the option. Or they can say, you know, but... But, but, but see, that's, that's what you do in family. You serve each other. You come through for each other. You don't wait to be asked. You don't make 
offers that can't really be responded to. In healthy families, in healthy small groups, we do for each other. Here's a good one, number eight. In healthy families and in healthy small groups, you don't get to vote on who's in or out. (laughs) You just accept each other. And here's what I mean by that. Every family has a crazy Uncle Larry, right? (laughs) In my family, I have a relative who's, you know, again, she's a hoarder. She has parrots. I was, she lets them roam around the house. I, I was I was over there not very long back and and you know there's newspaper on the table and the parrots on the perch and I'm I'm eating there at the, and there's poop all over everywhere. And and I said I really don't want to eat here next to the pooping parrot. <laughs> and you know then I heard this long explanation about how parrot poop they don't eat meat and so it doesn't stink. I said I know but I don't want to eat by the pooping parrot. But they're family, right? <laughs> you just accept them for who they are. And in your small group, listen to me, you're going to have some people that you really, really like. And you're going to have some crazy Larrys, crazy Uncle Larrys. You're going to have some people who rub you a little wrong. That's going to be there. Henry Nowen said this. He used to say, That community is the place where that person you have trouble getting along with is always there. (laughs) Rick Warren put it this way. He says, that's because God is using them to teach you some things. To teach you how to accept and to love people that you just don't automatically like. To teach you how to find their heart. To connect with them on a heart level. To learn to see past these things about them that you aren't necessarily wild about. That's what you do in family and in healthy groups. Number nine. Here's another way that just like family and healthy small groups, you celebrate reproduction and growth and changes. You celebrate those things. In healthy families, you see children grow up, and they move on, and they they have families of their own. They have children of their own, and so do healthy small groups. I mean, it's dysfunctional in your families if everything stays exactly the same over year after year. No, No one ever grows up. No one ever matures. No one ever moves on. There's never any change. That's dysfunctional. Here, let me, let, me, let me explain it this way. Uh, we loved our kids. Uh, we still do. I mean, you know, I don't, <laughs> uh, it's not a past tense thing. But over the years, there have been changes along the way. They've grown up. They've matured. You know, Joanna got married, and, and you, know, I, I'm, you know, Joel's taking a job now as a middle school pastor in Michigan, and, and you know, there's changes, and, and yet, you know, there's a huge part of me that misses those days. You know, when Joel was just a little guy, and we would get to the street, and he would reach over and put his little hand in mine. I, I miss that. I miss that. 
I'm, I would push Joanna on the swing, and even as a little girl, she would throw her head back and cackle with such delight. Um, I miss that. You know, even when Joanna was going to college in Oklahoma, but she'd come home every summer, and we'd have her around the house all summer long and see her and do things. I miss that. Joel, you know, Joel, even after he left for college, you know, he would come home, and there was always boys all around our house and spending the night. I'd get up on Saturday mornings, and I'd count the shoes by the door and divide by two, and that's how many boys I knew were sleeping in the basement, you know. And and there's a part of me that, that, that really misses that, But there's been changes that have come along as they've grown, as they've matured, as they've left. And and I celebrate those things too. But you know, I think often I see small groups really even thwart kingdom advancement. And it's because they just want things to stay the same way in their group because it's comfortable for them. You know, here, I'll, I'll get real practical. You, you know, just our current small group. I mean, we love the people in our small group. We love them. But we're looking down the throat at multiplying here in about a month. And there's a huge part of me that hates the changes that this is going to bring about. And yet at the same time, I value the reason why we're going to multiply. You know, of making room for more people. Uh, uh, of being able to extend community to other people who need to be a part of our group or a part of these two groups that aren't even there yet. And so mixed with the sadness is this sense of excitement of wanting to see changes. And, and, and my point is just this. That's the way it is in families. You celebrate the changes, even though it comes with sadness. And you do that in healthy small groups, too. Number 10. It's just like family in healthy small groups. You don't like everyone, so you figure out how to love each other anyway. That's what you do in family, right? Just to emphasize that a couple of great verses from 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22, it says this, Now that you have purified yourself by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, And love one another deeply from the heart. I mean, as you you think about the people in your group, as you pray for the people in your small group, and I hope you're doing that. I hope you're praying for each other. But as you pray for them, as as they come to your mind, you know, are you asking God, God, give me a sincere love for each of these people. Help me love them deeply from the depths of my heart. Chapter 4, verse 8, Peter says, Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Isn't that true? Love covers over a multitude of whatever. (laughs) It's love that does that in a family and in a small group. Here, one more, number 11. That just like family in a healthy small group, it's more than a two-hour slice of time one day a week. I mean, those of you who have kids at home, how ridiculous would it be if you, you know, set your little kids down there at the table and says, listen, we are going to be a family 
on Thursday nights from 7 to 9. Anything you want, anything you need, you let me know. We're here for you. After 9, I don't know. See you next week. <laughs> I mean, it's ludicrous, right? And so, man, listen to me. If your small group is going to be family, you can't just be one night a week friends. You've got to be involved in each other's lives more than that. You have to prioritize doing things together between the meetings, being in each other's lives. Let me tell you just a couple practical things that I've learned and I'm learning and trying to put into practice just to give feet to this. One of the things that I try to do, that Janet and I try to do, is, is whenever somebody in our small group asks us if we want to do something with them, I try to say yes as often as possible. Now, I'm, let me tell you why that's hard for me. is because whenever somebody asks me to do something, I have a plan. I mean, I, they didn't just ask me in the void of nothingness. I had a plan of what I was going to do. And, and here's what I'm learning is, is to stop before I say anything and think, okay, this thing that I had planned, this thing that I was going to do, do I really have to do that now? Could I do that? Enough? I mean, is that so gosh darn important that that happens right now? And what I've determined is a whole lot of the time, it really isn't all that important that that happens right now. It could happen later, which gives me the freedom to say, yes, we'll go do this with you. I'm learning. I'm getting better at doing that. Another thing that, that, that Janet and I try to practice is just this, that if, we're gonna do, if we decide we're going to do something, you know, something fun or go out to eat or whatever, our first thought is, who in our small group could we ask to go do this with us? Hey, we're going out to dinner. You want to come? I'm, I mean, I'm not paying for you. I mean, forget that nonsense. <laughs> yeah, we're not going there, you know. No, but hey, we wanted to do this. We want to do this. Why don't you come do this with us? You know, and sometimes they say no, sometimes they say yes, but to, to think that way. I mean, we've, we've been doing this for so long now, it's, it's just become habit, it's become natural. But we did this even back when we had little kids. I mean, our kids came to the expectation that if we were doing something, we probably were going to do it with somebody else. We did that. And, and that doesn't mean Janet and I never go do anything together, or we never do anything with just her. That doesn't mean that. It just means to kind of build that habit, that practice, into your thinking. Because healthy families, healthy small groups, spend time with each other. You do that. So... Here's what I want you to just understand. Small groups are simply the New Testament vehicle for people to love each other and to be able to help each other grow spiritually and to, to, to motivate and encourage and, and care for each other and to band together to do the work of Jesus. And maybe this is all new to you. Maybe you're a young Christian uh, maybe you even have been a Christian a long time, but you grew up in a church background where, you know, community and, and uh, small groups, that was just kind of not a thing that you thought of and so forth. If that's the case, then here, uh, here's what I would just encourage you to do, is read the one another verses in the Bible. In the Bible, there's over, in the New Testament, there's over 40-some uh, places where we're told stuff to, 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 
do this to one another. You know, serve one another. I, I've used some of these verses this morning. Uh, serve one another, or forgive one another, or confess your sins to one another, or bear with one another, or spur one another on to love and good deeds. Or There's a bunch of them. If you don't know where they are, you can use a Bible concordance to look them up, or just do a Google search. One another verses. There you go. They'll come up right there. And, and decide that you're going to sincerely read those commands of God. And here's what I would challenge you. If you're serious about obeying those, if this is all church is to you, you can't do them. Can't do them here. There's too many people, too many people you don't know. You've got to be part of a smaller unit of people, family, to each other, that you can practice those one another's with each other. Well, here's the bottom line. It takes effort. To be a good husband or wife, right? It takes effort to be a good mom or dad. It takes effort to be a good brother or sister or aunt or uncle. It, it, it just doesn't happen automatically. It takes effort. And it takes effort to be a good small group member. To care about the people in your group. To pray for each other. To serve each other. To encourage and motivate each other to speak into each other's lives. It takes effort to make time in our lives and our schedules for each other. It takes effort. So here's my take home for you this morning. First of all is, is this. This is a no-brainer. You heard me say it at the beginning. If you're not in a small group, man, my challenge to you is to consider being in one. Be a part of a new life small group. Here's how you can do that. Um, if you've met somebody along the way here at New Life, say to them, hey, are you in a small group? Are you part of a small group? And if they say yes, say, hey, could, could we come check your group out? I mean, could I come visit your group? I mean, our groups are open. They would love to have you. Just ask somebody, hey, can I, can I come? If you're sitting near somebody or you meet somebody along the way, invite them if you're part of a small group. Invite them to come be a part of your small group. Here, practically, here's, here's the easiest way that I could help you. We do a thing around here regularly called Getting Connected. We do it once a month or so, and when we do it, here, here's the way it works. Uh, this Wednesday night, that's our next one coming up, we're going to meet back here in, room two, the, in the corner room, the prayer chapel, back here. And here's what I do. I just lead a small group with whoever shows up that night, okay? And, and here's why this works so good. It lets you experience exactly what a new life small group looks like, Okay? Just, we just do it. Sometimes there's two or three people. Sometimes there's 15, 20 people. I, you know, it just varies. We lead a small group with whoever shows up that night. And uh, it, it works because it lets you experience, without making any commitments, it lets you just experience what a small group is, what it looks like around here. But it also lets me um, get to learn enough about you to help be able to recommend, you know, hey, you know, I think a small group that might be good for you or here's a couple of choices that I think you might want to check out or that kind of thing. If you come... And you don't want any help because you think this is the weirdest thing I've ever done. I don't ever want to do this again. You know what? That's okay because I don't get paid by commission, okay? <laughs> I don't get paid by the number of people who get into small groups. It doesn't work that way. But most people benefit from seeing what a small group's like and getting a little help that way. So that's what we do at Getting Connected. So if, if that sounds good to you, Wednesday night, we're over here. If you've got questions, call the office. We'll be glad to tell you about that. But mostly you just got to show up 645 to 830 back here in the prayer chapel. So Again, if you're not a part of a small group, I just want to challenge you to take steps to become part of a new life small group. 
Number two <coughs> takeaway is for, for many of us, and, I, and I, again, I know the majority of us in this room listen to me right now, you're in a small group. But what I want to challenge you is to determine maybe to be a better member in your small group. To decide that. And, and, and again, here's what I'd say to you. If you are primarily in your small group because of what you get out of it, then I think what God would say to you is this. Just get over yourself. I mean, really, stop making you the center of your Christian experience. And decide it's going to be not only, yeah, you ought to benefit, but it's about you serving, you being a part of the body to these other people. De determine that you're going to be better. Here, let, let, let me kind of come at a different angle. Those of you who are part of a small group, I want you to give yourself a grade for how good of a small group member you think you are, okay? I mean, you, you heard me. I listed a bunch of things, you know, if you, if you didn't sleep the last half hour or so, right? Yeah, I've listed a bunch of things. Kind of as you kind of think about that, give yourself a grade. I mean, you don't have to share this with anybody, so you can be honest. Um, you know, some of you, I, you deservedly would give yourself an A. And some of you would give yourself a B plus, and some of you would give yourself a C, and some of you would give yourself a D, and some of you are flunking the course, quite honestly, okay? Give yourself a grade. And then here's just my challenge to you. How could you, I want you to think, what's, what's a couple practical things that you could do to just improve your small group member GPA? <laughs> You know, to get better at this. I think that's what God would challenge you with this morning. What could you do, what could I do to be better at making my small group be family to each other, of being a healthy part of this family? What could I do? Third thing, third takeaway, last takeaway, is just this. I think it's probably time that some of you become small group leaders. You know, to, to take that next step, to step up in your group, to keep so that your group can keep reaching out, so that you can keep making room for more. I mean, the truth of the matter is, it takes regular people stepping up to the next level of being small group leaders. Taking on greater and greater roles in your small groups. Maybe it's you deciding, maybe you're not even a part of a small group, but what you want to do is you want to say, you know what, I'm going to gather some people around me who also aren't part of a small group, people that I have some influence over, and I'm going to say, hey, would you, let's do this together. Let's learn to be family together. I don't know what I'm doing, but let's do this together. And you come to me and I'll help you, but, but, but maybe it's time, I bet it's time for some of you who you've been sitting there, and it's time for you to take that next step. My challenge to you is just listen to God on this. And respond. In fact, as we just get ready to, to, to worship a little bit more, here's what I want to want to say to you. Man, you need to respond to whatever God's saying to you. Whether it's about small groups or about anything else. And so that's why in our weekend celebrations while we worship, we have prayer partners that are here. And they're here and they would love to pray with you about this or anything else that's going on in your life. And so if the Holy Spirit's speaking to you about something while we worship, you just get up. Well, you don't have to get up. You're already standing up, right? You just walk over to them and say, hey, would you pray with me about this? I mean, maybe it's about small group stuff. Maybe it's about something. Maybe it goes back to just this aspect of the stuff you're going through or something that's happened this morning. God's stirring up something in you. Maybe it is long before you got here today. But you just benefit from being prayed for. So you just do that while we're worshiping, okay? So let me lead us. Let me lead us in prayer. Jesus, 
Um, my, my request again is that you would give us the wisdom to hear clearly what you're saying to us. And then give us the courage to respond to that. And I pray it for your name and for your glory. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together. Let's, let's worship together.